Yeah. Yeah. You got a kind of meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Hooked out because I just had a complaint in the building. Shouldn't be drinking, it shouldn't be drinking, it shouldn't be drinking. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Sick of Health. I am Joe Dixon. We are joined as usual by Dr. David Wright. Hello, Joe. And Rob Littlewood. Hello, gentlemen. Anything it's specific to say to begin with, lads? Any bit of a catch up? Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it's it's been a while. Catch yeah. up stories? Anything you want to? I think I think David might have uh, <laughs> David might have some funny stories to tell us about the for the for the listeners. Yeah. David is is currently refurbishing his house in Bristol, aren't you? Yeah, and it's um funny for a lot of people, but not myself. It's going yeah. absolutely <laughs> tragically. It's terrible. You may be able to tell we brought this up completely on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's just quite funny because the poor lad's end. been toiling away for how long? Oh, I, since May. And it meant to have taken eight weeks and we are now in recording at the end of November. So it's it's gone on a little while. No on way. That third, long? Yeah, I'm on to our third set of builders. Just to remove the Coca-Cola memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a real thing. Yeah. yeah. It was a Coca-Cola shrine, a room dedicated to Coca-Cola when you moved in. Wasn't oh, it? we've had it all. There was one room with a Coca-Cola memorabilia. There was a stash of 80s pornography. There was a blow-up sex nice. doll. <laughs> There's a blow-up sex doll? There was a blow-up sex doll that fell through you the ceiling. Yeah. Shut In up. a Coca-Cola bedroom when we knocked through the ceiling. Coca-Cola no, it was just the regular did, one. Did it have uh, <laughs> did it have Santa Claus's face on from the Coca Cola Christmas? No, it didn't. It just had a big old <laughs> hole in the face. <laughs> did oh, it. Okay. oh my god! Who who pulled the short straw and had to pick that up and carry it out? So one of the builders tied it to the scaffolding outside and had it as a kind of sex doll flag. <laughs> I, would have, I would have kept him on purely because of that. That's no, really yeah. strong. He was he was a terrible builder, but he had a good crack. That's well we done. Even, That's brilliant. I haven't even met the neighbours at that point. So. Anyway, anyway, lads, we're for a uh, healthcare roughly podcast, so let's get back on track. Moral of the story is, David's had a mare of a time. Yeah, yeah. Listen to our other podcast called David and His House Toils. Yeah. Much more boring. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but yeah, here we are again. Um, I know last time we talked about correspondence and all that kind of stuff. Um, and thanks for everyone's, you know, constant feedback and chat. What some of the interesting bits and pieces we've had is in terms of people responding to some of the stuff we've done, which I think for us is... Wicked. Yeah. Oh, he's done it again. (laughs) 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 For us, is is great. Um, And one of the ones in particular, uh, my my flatmate's house. (laughs) (laughs) Flatmate's house. uh, My flatmate's girlfriend, Sarah, who's a paramedic. And if you remember, we did a podcast on, it was CBD in particular. Mm -hmm. We talked about a little kid with, and I'll pronounce this wrong, Dervant, Dravant syndrome. Dravant, yeah, I think. Syndrome. And um, after listening to that, she told me about, she got two separate call-outs um, during A&E. Um, and I can't remember what the call-out was specifically, but it was a kid not breathing, having a fit. Jeez. First call-out, and it was like Dervant syndrome. And she, I don't think she listened to it at that point. And then she got she listened to it, and she got a call-out again, and it was the same child. No. Um, with this issue. Obviously, she can't give any 
prescribe. <laughs> yeah, recommendations based on what we've said because I listen to this really good podcast and uh, I know how to save your life. Yeah, but it's just interesting how I guess is it, it kind of grounding how what we've talked about does spooky, exist, though, it? It yeah, comes up, it's happening, that kind of stuff. And even with the the prostate cancer one, mm. uh, people said about how two people in particular said about how their grandfathers, I think it was, had prostate cancer, but they lived with prostate cancer. They didn't die of prostate cancer. Mm. They died or are living still, I'm not sure, but dying of something else. Mm. Namely, dementia, I think it was one of them. I remember specifically. But anyway, anything like that. You got a connection to a story. You got a question. Remember, Rob's your man. Rob's your representative. Yeah. Holler, Rob. Or if you got any other ideas for episodes as well, let us know. Yeah, some of the... Don't tell me, though. Yeah, some of the episode yeah. ideas flooding in have been brilliant. One of them in particular, the how about I think this was uh, Tom Vickers who's egging to get on the podcast, by the way, <laughs> uh, who said, "How about we four of us sit down and before we start the podcast, everyone has to have ten pints, <laughs> and then we talk about That's scientific. the danger of alcohol, danger of boozing, <laughs> yeah, which I think is a great idea, danger of innovation. So watch, yeah. <laughs> watch this space could be coming, but." Let's crack on with today's episode, if we're ready. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is an interesting one, I think. And basically, I guess if you want to call it the title of today's podcast is How Do You Think You Will Die? Which, morbid question, perhaps, but an interesting question. And so, first <laughs> question for Rob. How do, you, how do you think, on the spot, you will die. This is genuinely not what I was expecting to have to talk about. It's pretty soul-searching start pretty, to the podcast. Yeah, pretty philosophical as opposed to most of the other ones I've been trying to wing it and make myself sound not too stupid. <laughs> um, okay, how do I think I'll die? Um, loosely, I think probably natural causes. In my family, I've got... I mean, I don't think about this too much, if I'm honest. <laughs> but, um, I think that's the point. A lot of people, <laughs> yeah. they just don't. Uh, history of heart attacks in my family. Um, worth taking into account, though, you know, I think my grandparents came from a generation which was more pro-heart attacks, smoking, etc., and drinking mm-hmm. at lunchtimes more regularly. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And cancer as well. So yeah, or well, like more more than we do, but and cancer too. So um, my mum's mum died of cancer. My granddad currently um, is on his way out with advanced lung cancer, sadly. Um, so I think I think those those probably are kind of on the radar if I was to try and answer this pretty difficult question. That's fair, yeah. and it yeah. is a tricky question. We've landed. In- big blow on your early doors <laughs> yeah. um, but thanks for your honest answer I suppose in terms of the, and I guess you name some of the the big hitters there in terms of cardiovascular disease in terms of heart yeah. attacks yeah. and certainly cancer I think basically the idea of this episode is looking at okay how do you think you'll die and I, your answer was interesting in terms of what you think about family influence Mm-hmm. what's the biggest influence but we're going to look at okay according to the past what were the biggest killers what is the biggest killer and then moving towards the future which direction is that heading 
Mm. Where is it going? What diseases are on the up? What diseases are on the down? I think it's a fair summary. Yeah, definitely. So to start us off, David, if we look to the past, what is statistically the biggest killer? So it's it's amazing, really. And the, the ways that you die really paints a nice picture of humanity changing throughout time. And, yeah, the biggest killer, and this was unbelievable when we saw this stat, that it's been reported in a few places that malaria has killed half of people that have ever lived. And I think that has to be taken with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But still, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one to digest, right? I, I would be really interested to see the geography of that. So I think it's mainly because we kind of started in Africa and we were, as a race, yeah. mainly in Africa, where it is a kind of huge malaria hotspot and kind of taking a lot of infant mortality (laughs) so there was a lot of people died very young there a lot of childbirths and stuff so Mm. it would have clocked up a lot in the early days and it's still a huge huge problem now so then if we look a bit more closer to home the last 15 years in the uk we're going to focus on the uk Mm. sorry to our us and uh other global (laughs) listeners (laughs) Um, but you can read into this what you will. Last 15 years, one of the ones you mentioned, so heart disease, mm-hmm. cardiovascular, for a long time has been the number one killer in the UK. Um, and I think a lot of things obviously fall under that title. Yeah. Heart attack, stroke, yeah. all those kind of things fall under it. Yeah. Um, so that's historically been it. But for me, what's interesting is instead of looking more generally, is if you look, and I saw this really interesting graph looking at just over the last century, and it looks at various killers and blah, 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 and everything's fairly level, but then there's massive spikes at various points due to, I guess, pandemics, epidemics. Yeah. And looking at those spikes, if you're thinking of just a kind of smooth green run of a ski slope and then you stick the shard in the middle of it get a big black slope in there (laughs) literally a shard in the middle of it the one that stands out is uh spanish flu yeah right in terms of i mean you heard of spanish flu yeah of course the numbers are in terms of the time period because it was what 1917 1918 like a year year and a half had two waves the numbers are incredible like you david you can shed some light on the numbers but it's ridiculous yeah it's absolutely mad the amount of people that died so it's around five percent of the whole world died in that time and that was more than so 1917-1918 is just the end of the first world war but it's more than both the world wars combined the amount of people that died God, Spain having a blast in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> Bad global PR at that time. So you think that, it, I mean, my history is terrible, but the First World War lasted a good few years, and yeah. you think of it as the most deadly war in the world. Yeah. Straight afterwards, one year, disease. Bosh. Bosh. First World War overdoes it. Second World War overdoes it. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. In the space of a year, yeah. it's ridiculous. But isn't it true that Spain had a population of like six at the end of World yeah. War II? <laughs> and they were, they were the grandfathers of Lionel Messi. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Tapia. Tapia. Yeah. Lionel Messi's Argentinian. Oh, God. oh he's done him. Oh dear. That Don't worry, mate. Awful. <laughs> as, as we were. 
That is awful. I'll edit that out. I can't edit it out. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, it was a big disease. It killed a lot of people. But the, it's interesting because they've had um, gradual changes throughout time. So as ischemic heart disease and other cardiovascular diseases kind of were becoming more prevalent towards the end of the century, and you get kind of shifts in diet, people might start eating more unhealthily, so that becomes yeah. more of a problem. They might have do, be doing less exercise, so you get more problems like that. But still, it gets interrupted by these huge... Yeah changes where you get an infectious disease that just changes the whole face of the mm. world. And the Spanish flu wasn't the only one. Spanish flu was the shortest time frame and maximum inputs. You get the, the shard-like spike. Mm. But there were other ones. Uh, smallpox was a massive one. Yeah. So smallpox killed about 300 million people in the um, uh, during the 20th century. And that's uh, more than... So we were talking about the Spanish flu more than the First World War and the Second World War. The, the smallpox killed more than all conflicts throughout the whole 20th century. Which is incredible. Across European continent, purely? The world. The world, okay. Three million. 300 million. 300 million. That's a lot of people. That is so Jeez. People. You can't even comprehend those numbers. And then the other one, I guess, bubonic plague, which again... Oh. If, classic isn't it it's, it's an absolute classic, history yeah. gcse classic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. bubonic plague the black plague and this one's we're increasing the time frame each time like that was about a century so it's less i'd call it less of an epidemic and more of a what we just fucked for a century yeah i don't know we how just haven't caught it, up yeah. general hiccup yeah. <laughs> but even then like looking at black death going back to spanish flu sorry but one of the stats we looked at was spanish flu killed more people in 24 weeks than AIDS has killed in 24 years, and then God. killed more in a year than the Black Death killed in a century. So That's the num- crazy. The numbers are staggering. Yeah. And the, I mean, personally, I don't know, how much do you get told about the Spanish flu? Yeah, I don't know. minimal. It just seems mm. interesting. But anyway, that's kind of looking at the past mm-hmm. and some of the... Um, massive events in history mm. coupled alongside where we're at now and the biggest killers but then we want to look forward and what's changing mm. based again on your answer and then look into the future what might change and so i think david will explain this better than me but it's a it's a change from non-infectious uh, sorry infectious to non-infectious diseases or communicable to non-communicable yeah, diseases. yeah that's right so we're talking about big spikes for those examples, but as a whole, infectious diseases have been a problem for humans throughout time. So we've we've had lots of things like tuberculosis and other kind of bacteria and viruses, which constantly cause death and problems for, for us. But as our kind of healthcare systems get better, our sanitation gets better, our, uh, the kind of infrastructure in cities get better, then those tend to go down. But as our lifestyle changes, we might start, food becomes more readily available, you have to work longer hours so you can't exercise as much, then you start having a shift to these more lifestyle diseases. Mm. Dementia and Alzheimer's are one of the big ones that's coming. So we're starting to live a little bit longer without having these infectious diseases. And with that, then you start to get things uh, linked with longer health, uh, longer age, such as your brain declining, you start getting Alzheimer's and dementia. And I guess one of the interesting things in terms of the decline of the infectious diseases 
is low, high income versus low income. Mm-hmm. Both aspects globally are decreasing. But as I'm sure you can imagine, high income is well ahead of low income for ver- you know, various reasons, cleanliness, access to healthcare, access to antibiotics, all that kind of stuff. So low income is kind of 20, 30 years behind, but it's still the same trend, still seeing the same curve. Um, but I guess what's, what is more interesting, I would personally argue, is that, so we've talked about going from infectious diseases being these massive killers and the decline of infectious diseases due to various reasons. Mm-hmm. But when you look at across various sources in terms of looking to the future and what is the biggest worry in the future, it's the resurgence of infectious diseases. I was going to say, I've gathered these things obviously are cyclical, we've got antibiotics losing their effects. Exactly. It kind of suggests that we're moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and on that one, superbugs mm. yes. is one of the massive things yeah. going forward, right? As in, we've we started, we've conquered, there's been this decline in infectious diseases because we've discovered antibiotics and lots of other reasons, obviously, but we can, you know, treat those things much better. But in recent years, this resistance to antibiotics and the development of superbugs is a massive issue. And a huge, I mean, it's a huge issue that I'm sure we will cover in another podcast at another time. Mm-hmm. But that is not really the, the direction of the conversation either. <laughs> the other thing is, and this is, it comes from an example of, um, so the WHO released like, the t- the Who is the World Health Organization? Yeah. Sorry, not the not band. band. <laughs> not Pinball Wizards. Yeah. Pete Townsend doesn't come up with a list of diseases. Because <laughs> I'm sure they'd be very different. <laughs> the um, the World Health Organization kind of biggest is it the biggest threats to humankind? Is that how they pose it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of things in there. And one of the things in there is, as they call it, disease X. Have you heard of this? Funny enough, no. 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 <laughs> so disease X, they put on this list. So uh, what, what's the other stuff on the list like? Uh, there's all kinds. So it's focusing mainly on kind of bacteria and viral infections. So yeah, there's all kinds. There's like SARS is on there. Okay. A lot of ones that you would never have heard of. And it's, yeah, most of them. So there's, I don't know, it's a list of around 10 different diseases. And nine of them are known. So they're kind of things that are on our radar. And you people are preparing for this, and they kind of think, okay, this might mutate, it might get worse. But then there's this Pandora's box, Disease X, where it's just things could get a lot worse, and we don't know what it's going to be. That we could, somewhere yeah, it could be a mutation from a, a bird flu or swine flu or something like this, or it could be two things mixing together. But there's a very good chance. It's something like that could happen and be deadly. So there's an article we were looking at and then you research it further and, and there's a lot of charts looking at, so this was again UK in particular, looking at um, various different events and they plot it likelihood versus impact. And there's everything on there from nuclear warfare to tsunamis to natural disasters mm-hmm. to electricity cutting out which we found quite interesting and the danger of a pandemic was given a likelihood of four out of five 
and an impact of five out of five. Okay. So it was essentially the most threatening thing on the list, mm-hmm. given everything, terrorism, all that kind of stuff, which I found interesting because I didn't think it was that high up the list. Yeah. I thought it was a fairly distant threat, to be honest. But clearly people are a bit worried about it. It's because it's hard to comprehend. I mean, you can much easier comprehend an earthquake or a terrorist attack or something. But as it hasn't happened in our lifestyle, it's hard to imagine the bubonic plague coming. You just, you see sci-fi films and zombie apocalypse things, but it could happen. I mean. And what was, again, interesting for me is you think of disease X and something like Ebola. You think of something naturally occurring out of nowhere that we haven't planned for. When you look into it a bit more, it's not necessarily the naturally occurring things that we need to be most worried about. As ever, it's us. <laughs> yeah, it's us killing ourselves. Because, and there's various examples, but if we take the things we were talking about before, so smallpox. Smallpox was deadly as hell. But they managed to wipe it out using a like vac- global vaccination program, um, to the point where they completely got rid of smallpox, mm-hmm. even though it had no cure, which is unbelievable. And at which point, the World Health Organization said to, because a lot of countries had kind of stores of it for research purposes, World Health Organization says, okay, every we've got rid of it. Everyone, destroy your supplies of smallpox. So everyone does it. Except that at that point in time, it was the Cold War, America, Russia, both of those two countries go, similar to the arms race, I guess, well, if they're not destroying it, I'm not destroying it, (laughs) which is ridiculous, like the power that disease has, Mm. Um, I'm not destroying it. And so this was way back when, but they tried again in 2007, tried again in 2011, both of them like, no, I'm not. They're not destroying it. I'm not destroying it. It's it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. This is complete. I had no idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so out there are these, you know, stores of smallpox. And then Spanish flu. Spanish flu came to a really weird end that no one could really describe. It just kind of disappeared. But the researchers out there, because they believe that if they can study the strain of flu, they can learn more about it if it comes back. So humankind went, you know, beyond itself to find it and isolate it. And I can't remember. They, they basically, it was uh, somewhere in Canada um, where this, this whole tribe had died and they buried their dead in the ice. And this researcher found this out and went and defrosted them and managed to get a sample of this. That's the beginning of an Indiana Jones film. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. The game, yeah. This was in the 19, 1991, I think. So recently, go to the, the ends of the earth to bring back <laughs> one of the most deadly things that's ever happened to humankind. So that's now stored somewhere in the world. Um, and there's various other like what a strange bloke. Yeah, literally, what a There's so many strange blokes, but so many places in the world where they're doing they bring back or they keep stores of it to do um, what they call what do they call it? Well, we were calling it bioterrorism, but gain of function research. Mm. and it's the idea I described in terms of the more you know about it the more you can fight it next time yeah so they're kind of working they're kind of characterising these diseases more so they're not just locked up in a little treasure box somewhere under high security they're being worked on on Mm. a daily basis but then humankind obviously takes it to the next level 
because we're morons. So <laughs> we have this deadly virus, and in this case, there's a bird. So this is a case they've got bird flu virus, so they're H five N one. Yeah. Or a smallpox or a Spanish flu H one N one. Yeah. That one, bird flu virus. Okay, so it's really, you know, for birds it's terrible, but it's not easy to transmit to humans unless you work with them closely, and even then, it doesn't transmit well between mm. humans. But scientists are like, oh, well, we can, why don't we modify it so it is easily transmittable between humans? <laughs> so they did that. Um, it was uh, Ron Fuchsia and Yoroshimo Kawahawa. Basically, two different labs did it at the same time. And they managed to modify it so it would be more easily transmitted between humans. So, great. We've made a deadly virus worse for ourselves. More deadly. Cheers, lads. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as the scientists here, I'm all for kind of furthering knowledge and things. But you've got to stop and think at some point. Like, what is the benefit? Of Humankind is going to be the same downfall. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere you look. Yeah. CRISPR. <laughs> yeah. Doing it there. Um, Guns in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, that was interesting as well because they then, obviously, scientific communities, we talked about, nothing's true until you publish your paper. But people were like, you can't publish that paper because you're giving a how-to guide. It's like the anarchist <laughs> cookbook. Yeah, 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 it really is, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. Literally a cookbook for creating the most deadly virus we've ever known. Yeah, but under wraps. But the scientific community prevailed and it was published. <laughs> it's out there. If you want to find out how to create the most deadly virus known to man, look it up. Yeah, you'd think that most people probably can't do it, and you'd hope most people that can do it would have a little bit of moral sensibility. Yeah, but I mean, there's enough there's enough screw looses around the world that yeah. it's more than slightly terrifying. And anyway, the, the, the build from this is that a bloke called Dr. Lynn Klotz who basically and this is a fully published paper this is legit he worrying about this whole how many labs there are and incidents and accidents that there are not even bringing the screw looses into the equation he built a program to predict the likelihood of a global pandemic within the next 10 years due to the stuff we've just been talking about yeah and he based it on 10 labs over the next 10 years. And his prediction was that there's a 27% likelihood of a global pandemic within the next 10 years. Nice. Real nice. Please tell me all 10 of those weren't in the UK. <laughs> I mean, going from 10, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, it could be it's just such a small sample it might not be representative at all of what's going on but you might also think the ones that you could sample are probably the better ones and there's probably a lot of worse run ones out in the sticks in Russia and the central in the middle of America that's the scary thing is the he bases it on 10 there's hundreds Mm. so I, I mean it's very hard to say how much to read into that the other thing for me is and I go back to the smallpox example to explain this, but in terms of in the modern day how quickly an infectious disease could spread, with smallpox spread throughout Europe, then it went down to Africa um, because of the kind of colonialization. Went yeah. down to Africa, and then the slave labor took over. We just found America, so they started shipping slaves from Africa to America. 
Yeah. All during this time, the smallpox uh, was ravaging everyone. Mm. So there a lot of these, the majority of these slaves were infected with this disease. Obviously, put everyone on a small ship infected with disease, everyone's going to get it. Mm-hmm. So you expect it to spread to America. But to begin with, the ship technology, however you want to put it, meant that it took so long to get to America that by the time these ships full of people with smallpox got there, people had either died or survived and the infectiousness had, I don't know, would you say expired? Yeah, the incubation period was... That's the way to put it. <laughs> incubation period. <laughs> so it never spread to America. Yeah. But as ship technology improved and they got there quicker and quicker... Eventually, a ship landed with a shitload of people with smallpox, and then America was where smallpox took America. off like you've never seen. That's so interesting to me, though, isn't it? Because like, there's no way they could have predicted that. No. And so now, where we are now, we have no idea what to expect. Like we've got people like Ling, whatever. Ling um, Ling Um Trying to anticipate these things and. You know, they're probably wrong. Like that probably won't happen, but something else quite crazy might also happen. Mm. That is also incredibly extreme, but incredibly unlikely at the same time. And we're going to look back at it. Maybe not us, but <laughs> someone, someone will look back at whatever happens over the next century or whatever, and says like, "God, how did we not see that coming?" That's it. There's so many moving parts. Like, who could have thought ship engineering? would be the downfall of the Mer- the Americas at that time. Yeah, Influenza like... in in Central America and South America as well, same thing, wasn't it? Like they went over there and mm. they were completely different societies and yeah. genetic makeups were slightly different. Yeah. And so they just so didn't, didn't have, have immunity. immunity. Yeah. I'm strangely fascinated to it... know like what that might be. Yeah, I kind of want to live a bit longer and just look back at yeah. what happened and just be like, ah, oh, shit, there was that. We didn't see that. Was that is it something we know about? Is it something we're going to do ourselves? Is it yeah. something that, like... Just put oh, some bets on. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. Open up some odds. Get a poll. <laughs> but you got... never know, like, the Zika virus in the last couple of years. I mean, who saw yeah, that coming? We haven't mentioned that. That was devastating. Yeah. And Ebola, as you said. There's just so many things where it's... It's just not on the radar until it's there. I'm going to take it back. At this stage, I'm going to take it back. So we obviously started the episode saying, how do you think you will die? Yeah. Right. I'm now going to say, how would you prefer to die? Okay, given that... Oh, God. We've said the, the, the kind of biggest rising death cause in the UK is dementia and Alzheimer's. But in the background, there's this mad, unknown threat of some Ooh. epidemic pandemic. So... To both of you, mm-hmm. would you rather die in an, you know, living to a hundred in an old people's home? You can't remember who you are, you can't remember who your family are, but you've lived a long life. Or would you rather die within the next 10 years, but everyone goes with you and you find out what that pandemic is? That's a very hard question. I mean, my gut reaction is thinking pandemic. I'll try and fight it out, see myself as Will Smith in <laughs> I Am Legend I am <laughs> and just go for it. Buy yourself a dog. Yeah, but actually, I think I even though it's a more drawn-out death, I'd rather live to longer and have more years with friends and family. 
If I'm being sentimental, I'd love to see it through with the boys and just all die. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I'm being methodical, <laughs> be nice to see, you know, what is a normal life expectancy through and perhaps live with with the, the psychological impact that, that you know, our lives have now where dementia is, is, is highly likely and uh, and just know that like my children or my grandchildren like I'm loved mm-hmm. even though I may not know who they are but see I'm, I'm two all, different things I'm yeah, all yeah. pandemic endemic <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've, I you might be. I've short and sweet having worked in that area and seeing people with dementia I don't want to be that guy it's I really don't want to be that guy and I'm all you know me and my lads one last yeah, yeah. one last sesh <laughs> see ourselves off and dying glory cough out the pub or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, but I think we'll leave it there and leave that <laughs> as a question for the listeners once yeah. again because I think it's a cracker of a question and hopefully that's opened people's eyes a bit to some of the hidden dangers out there, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Apologies if you can't sleep at night now. <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Bye. Sick, so sick, so sick of hell.